2: Guys, welcome back to the Play Like a Girl podcast, one of the shows for SB Nation's Ohio State site, Landgren, Holy Land Grant Holyland. We are two girls talking about sports because our opinion counts too. I'm your host Meredith Hine, and I'm so excited, as always, to be joined by my co-host Tia Johnston.
1: Hello again. I mean, let's
2: just get into it because this past weekend was simply unbelievable with the results from the NFL's divisional round of the NFL playoffs. I yeah i can't
1: like i don't even where do we begin <laughs> just i mean we like if you guys could see our show notes there's just like 70 bullet points of just like <laughs> everything that we need to hit from over the weekend um okay let's just start off with like the biggest headlines which is tom brady and aaron rogers not playing in the AFC or NFC championship for the first time since 2010. That is bonkers.
2: So this is such a fun little piece of trivia, and I know I'm giving it away in the show notes. However, we're still going to play this game of, did you know who the four quarterbacks were in 2010, the last time that it was neither Tom Brady nor Aaron Rodgers featured in this game?
1: No. I, I did not until I read your show notes. <laughs> yeah. Um, this was
2: Brett Favre for the Vikings and Mark Sanchez on the Jets.
1: Like, I I have no idea about anything related to the NFL past like or pre like 2012. I'm gonna be totally honest with you. So this just feels like a really long time ago. <laughs>
2: I mean, it was. So it wasn't so long ago that this was when Brett Favre was also on the Packers, for example. Um, but what is memorable to me about this game was this was uh, the NFC Championship where Brett Favre was like dead on the field playing for the Vikings. It was after he had a cell fiasco with the Jets. Um it was the source of that like sports center commercial where they're like he's coming back. Um yeah. but yeah, like this is just in terms of linear time it this is a long time ago. Uh since Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers were not in I, these yeah. respective positions.
1: I mean, for as long as I have been watching the NFL religiously. Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers have always been the best. I mean, you throw Peyton Manning in there and that's pretty much what I remember as far as growing up with the NFL. I I know that we're going to get into this later, but I really am just so glad to see four new quarterbacks in The championships, but most importantly, I am so happy to see two new quarterbacks in the Super Bowl and not Tom Brady. I love the guy. We're about to talk about that, but like it's just so refreshing.
2: It it absolutely is, and you know, we'll we'll get into this now. But not only are we we're going to see some new quarterbacks, we're seeing one dusted off quarterback, which I kind of love. But not only is this an end of an era in terms of kind of this championship caliber teams led by Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, it also might be the end of an era in terms of both of their careers.
1: I I really do believe that about Aaron Rodgers. I think, I think he's done. I think he should have retired after last season. He's causing way too much of a ruckus, like outside of football and I'm not being like stick to sports. I'm saying like he is distracting from everything that his team is trying to do. I think he either needs to retire or he needs to get out of green Bay. I don't think that him and green Bay mesh anymore. Um, And then the Tom Brady conversation, like I just, I don't think he's done. I really don't. I think he, I think we see him in the Super Bowl if not next year, than the year after.
2: Yeah. What's so interesting, and I completely agree with your take on both Rodgers and Brady, but what's so fascinating is, yes, they both lost yesterday. They both lost yesterday over the weekend, excuse me. Um, They both lost in extremely close games, and both Rodgers and Brady have been playing still at the top of their respective games. Like, Oh, yeah. There's a reason that the Bucks and the Packers were able to win playoff game. Well, not the Packers. They got to
1: the Packers had a bye. Like, right.
2: The teams that they're leading are still good teams, but you're exactly right. The f- dysfunction that Rodgers has caused in Green Bay, even before last season even started with kind of his drama of training camp um, – You know, it it feels like he certainly, if he continues his career, it will not be with Green Bay. Like Brady is a little bit less dramatic. It's just sort of like every year he just keeps becoming the oldest quarterback to do X and continuing to do X, whether it's through, you know, his millionth touchdown pass or whatever. Bless you, Ruthie. Ruthie just sneezed. Excuse me. <laughs> but yeah, it's hard to imagine Brady hanging up his cleats after this year. And especially being such a competitor, the way that, you know, the game ended on Sunday for the Bucks. It feels like he's gonna want that one back.
1: I yeah, like if you think about it, he won the Super Bowl last year, and I mean, is in the playoffs this year, and we're already talking about like, oh, is is he done? like, if, if your standard is not winning the Super Bowl, like, you're probably still a pretty good quarterback. And we would not be saying this about younger quarterbacks. Like, oh, is I mean, I guess we can throw Carson Wentz and out of this conversation. But we don't we're not talking about Super Bowl winning quarterbacks the following year about their career being over.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I know
1: age, I know age and all that. And he's He's definitely hinted at, oh, that's the other thing I want to talk about. If in his postgame press conference and they're asking him and he's like, I haven't put any thought into that. I'm like, that is quarterbacks need to quit saying that because of course you have. You know exactly what you're doing. I don't care what you say. You know exactly what you're going to do next year.
2: Yeah. Additionally, there's the fact that like despite apparently not wearing sunscreen, he does not seem to age.
1: What the heck? Well, yeah, that's 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 so
2: three right? at 43 or 44 or whatever he's at. Anyway, Uh last top last favorite Tom Brady moment of the weekend. So uh, there was a lot of talk last week about the fact that Tom Brady actually does not get that many roughing the passer calls called in his favor. Um, and he actually has had a fair amount of unsportsmanlike conduct calls. He had another one on Sunday, Tia, and I don't know if you saw it, but he was like – he got like hit in the chin by Aaron Donald, right? Um, yeah. And he was like pointing at his chin, and he's like apparently bleeding, and he's mad at the refs for not calling it, so he gets a personal foul for unsportsmanlike called on him. But then, of course, someone posted the meme of nobody makes me bleed my own blood from Dodds yes and i could not stop
1: laughing. <laughs> Twitter was on a freaking roll all weekend. I mean, like whatever your viewpoint is about Aaron Rodgers, the way Twitter came together to roast that man, i was like dying. I could have i could have stayed on Twitter probably all night every single day this weekend.
2: <laughs> yeah, i have to be off of Twitter, but it was so phenomenal. I get the tweets when they come to Instagram.
1: That's a good filter, I feel.
2: (laughs) Anyway, that's a high note to end on with Tom Brady. But let's get into what was the story, at least, of the first three playoff games this weekend. And that was what a week for kickers. Um, The first three games all ended on walk-off field goals. So, Tia, who I know you love special teams more than anyone else in this world, uh, Mm -hmm. why don't you talk us through it?
1: I... I know that kickers, like, have one job, but that's why it just makes me so mad that when they do miss, I mean, they are just written off. But then the next day they can come out and kick a game-winning field goal, and now they're, like, their fan base's favorite player. And it's like... It's like, what's that quote where if you if you want to be with me when I'm hitting my game-winning field goal, you got to be with me when I'm missing the ones that don't really matter or even the ones that are losing games. I mean, first of all, I love all of the storylines behind these three kickers, though. Did you see the quote that um, – oh, crap, where is it? I have it pulled up – that Evan McPherson said – before yeah. he went out and that. Oh my gosh, what swagger. He said, so Joe Burrow said that Evan McPherson told the Bengals bench, it looks like we're going to the AFC championship game as he walked out to kick the game-winning field goal. Like, <laughs> that is so badass.
2: <laughs> wow. It feels like Evan McPherson, aka Money Mac for all of you Bengals fans, and Joe Burrow might be best friends. I
1: don't know. I, yeah Joe burrow's best friends with everyone <laughs> yeah how I
2: would be best friends with Joe burrow Joe burrow if you're listening please be my friend
1: absolutely
2: <laughs> no but I mean it was it was perfection um but the storylines continued uh Robbie gold you'd want to talk about like disrespecting a kicker um yeah. in San Francisco's night or evening game on Saturday against Dallas uh he was literally warming up while the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders were performing around them because they would not let him complete his warm-ups properly and so there he was just yeah i mean this picture is so funny it looks like like they formed a tunnel around like the cheerleaders formed a tunnel around robbie gold
1: yes and i'm sorry (laughs) but like he, he, the man is at his job. That is his job. And he needs to get these reps in. And I know that the show is great and for the fans and everything, but like, come on. The kickers, that's what they need. They need reps. Had he not done his pregame warm up, would he have made that final field goal? Who's to say? Yes.
2: And uh, I'm so sorry. That was actually from last week's uh, performance of San Francisco versus Dallas. Uh, but regardless as uh karen from mean girl says still uh just an incredible yeah just incredible ice in his veins uh and sticking with the san francisco theme you know Tia, i'm not sure if we talked about on the show last week but uh we knew that the three opposing coaches remaining in the nfc uh playoff picture were all younger than tom brady Um, additionally, did we talk about this last week? Kyle Shanahan, Matt LaFleur, uh, no, and a while, wait, did we really not?
1: No, I did not realize that.
2: Well, Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay and Matt LaFleur were all like on the Washington football team coaching staff years ago together.
1: Oh my gosh. Like going back to Tom Brady's youth, like, I, I always forget how old Tom Brady is, I guess.
2: <laughs> this is the real it's not that It's not that, like, Sean McVay is the hot young coach anymore. It's that Tom Brady is simply yep. elderly.
1: <laughs> no offense to Sean McVay.
2: Yeah. Um, but anyway, we are seeing this rise in young coaches. Uh, Kyle Shanahan is incredible. Um, it's also fascinating to see that, like, He's winning in San Francisco with defense and, uh, of course, special teams. Robbie Gold, thank you so much. Um, yeah. But you know, I I just can't figure out if Jimmy Garoppolo is actually a good quarterback. Tia, I really don't know.
1: I don't think that he is. However, I heard a a take from somebody that I kind of liked where. They said he's really he's a really, really good locker room guy, and the whole entire team is behind him. And I think that's really underestimated with a team's success. If there is no chemistry, no matter how good your quarterback is, like, for example, the Eagles with Carson Wentz, there was so much locker room drama, and it was all in the media. This isn't a secret. I don't know if that was Carson Wentz's demise, if he's just not a good – leader but it it can't help so I just think that Jimmy Jimmy G is a good guy he's a good teammate and he's not bad but I don't think he's winning these games like would he be as successful without Elijah Mitchell or George Kittle or Trey, Trey Lance I mean is their future so I don't know if Jimmy G sees that as the writing on the wall but I don't think he's I don't think he's all that
2: yeah, I'm with you. And, you know, it certainly helps to have a coach like Kyle Shanahan who cut his teeth, you know, as an outstanding offensive coordinator. If he's calling your place, if he can make the Cleveland Browns offense look good for a period of time. He can make anyone look good. So uh, maybe that's a little bit of what we're seeing. But, yeah, I completely agree. Uh, having the locker room behind you makes such a difference. I mean, I say as though I was once an NFL quarterback in a locker room. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, you know, when you have – you have other leaders on the team, too, in San Francisco, which I think sort of makes up for – and by leaders, I mean, like, outstanding elite players. Like, you do have George Kittle at tight end. Um, You've got Nick – obviously, Nick Bosa. Yeah. And when you have outstanding players on both sides of the ball, do you really need an elite quarterback? Uh, Traditionally, like in the Super Bowl, you know, yes, you'll have guys like Joe Flacco win on occasion. Uh, But, yeah, you have usually needed a complete team, including a quarterback, to win. But we'll see this year. Um, Which brings us, of course, to Matt Stafford. So when I mentioned earlier, like, the young quarterbacks slash the dusted-off quarterbacks – Is this finally his time?
1: Yeah. I mean, if you told me that this was going to be the guy who beat Tom Brady this year, like I would not have, I'm sure Lions fans mouths have dropped as well. Poor, poor fan base. I feel so bad for Detroit. (laughs) (laughs) But like, again, it's going back to like the Jimmy G thing. Like, And even the Aaron Rodgers thing, where I just think he needs to get out of Green Bay, I just think if you're on the right team and you mesh with your teammates and your coach and, you know, you have a good offense around you, you succeed. And, I mean, I don't know if – we've only seen this success recently from Matt Stafford this year, so I don't know if it's him. I mean, we need a little bit more evidence, but – he looks good. <laughs>
2: On an unrelated note, I just googled Matthew Stafford's age, expecting fully for him to be like thirty-eight or something. Um, and now I'm mildly horrified because he is not significantly older than I am, um, and I was about to call him ancient. So I need
1: to. Check my- I looked him up earlier, and I for some reason. I did not think that he had been in the league as long as he did, but he I think was his draft class like 2009. Is that right? Yeah, because he was. He was, was a 2009 thing?
2: draft class
1: freshman in high school. <laughs> 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 what?
2: <laughs> as a as a freshman in college,
1: he's another guy who looks young to me. I mean, I, I guess he looks older than Tom Brady, but Tom Brady is you know. I think he takes pride in his appearance.
2: (laughs) Yeah. So moving on from quarterbacks and their alleged skincare routines. um, (laughs) this, Frankly, this weekend, Tia, I texted you last night that we haven't even gotten to the Buffalo Kansas City game yet, but that was, I think, the most exciting football game I've ever watched in my life. Like, that was such an incredible game. Um, Before we get into that game in particular, just because we know that we had such a set of incredible games, um, shall we talk about the difference between the NFL playoffs and the college football playoffs in terms of excitement and engagement?
1: Yeah. So somebody tweeted, I forget who it was, but they were like, the college football playoff could never and it's just so true. It's been so boring the last few years. I mean, I'm maybe I'm forgetting a close game here and there, but it doesn't feel I feel like the championship has been the college football championship has been boring. And it's like I know you can't compare them really because the NFL is the country's best against the country's best and the players are rotating and teams are constantly changing. But in college, that you don't see that as often. The the good teams have been the good teams for years. So I don't know what the solution is for the college football playoff, but like is it is it the NFL model? I don't know, but it needs to change because that I want I just want more of that. I want to watch that game over and over and over.
2: Yeah. I, I'm with you. And you know, Dave and I were sitting watching the last of the games yesterday I keep saying yesterday we're recording this on Monday for the record um nice. on night, we were watching uh the Bills Chiefs game and Dave commented like it's clear why the NFL is so much better than college because the parity is there even the worst NFL teams are still extremely competitive like, yes exactly Yeah, so when you enter the playoff picture and you have the 14 best teams in the league, they are all so competitive. And you think about the difference that players – like, obviously not this weekend, but, uh, you know, what the Titans managed to do even without Derrick Henry on their roster for most of the year. Like, they're – when we say next man up and we like say this at Ohio state and yes, you know, you make the playoff and you might win a championship once in a while, like next man up in the NFL means you are simply on par with everyone else in the NFL. um, And the parody continues. Um, And so it was just a really interesting uh, thing to take a look at this weekend. Um, But on that note, let's talk about the bills chiefs and in particular, how much, the NFL overtime sucks and how in this one particular instance college has it right.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. I I cannot believe that, that 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 is how that game ended. It infuriates me. Like to the point where I was just like sitting there in bed, like just fuming, specifically for Josh Allen, who I saw a tweet and it was like Josh Allen did every single thing right in that game, except call the coin correctly. That's so sad. And I saw a stat. Did I write it in here? Yeah. Since 2012, teams who have won the toss have gone 10 and 1. That's a problem. Like that, you can't even like, not even, this game aside, that is a problem.
2: Yep. Did you also see that after losing to the Pats uh, in, oh crap, what well, was it, 2018, 27? Whenever the Chiefs lost to the Pats in the AFC title game, um, the Chiefs wrote a proposal to like the NFL officials that they should adjust the overtime rules. Um, that proposal was declined, and we saw what happened on Sunday night. This is stupid. It's so dumb.
1: It has to change after that, right? I mean- It has to.
2: Yeah, exactly. Like This was the most entertaining game ever. Like, Josh Allen won this game twice.
1: Yes. I mean, mean, these two quarterbacks, whoever called that correctly, they were going to win. Like, that's just what happens when you have those quarterbacks on your team. So they could have flipped the coin and then Mahomes got the ball, and then they could have just ended the game because we knew how that was going to turn out. We knew the result. Like,
2: But just like you said, it's very annoying that it ended, and we know it ended because of the coin toss.
1: Yes, exactly. So
2: we could keep harping on overtime rules. Uh, one point of like, I guess on a positive note from that game, can we talk about what a treasure Tony Romo is in the broadcast booth? <laughs>
1: His reactions, like, I didn't know if he was going to make it. That That's why I feel like I would sound, like, in the booth, like, and I don't think I would get the job if I was doing that, but because he's Tony Romo, like, so funny and relatable because I was making the same noises.
2: <laughs> he is so great. Also, shout out to Jim Dance and Tracy Molson, who also are part of an incredible crew, but <laughs> oh my gosh, like... Tony Romo just made an incredible game that much more incredible. Before we head to the break, I have some disturbing news that Tia shared with me over the weekend, and that's that you're a Nick Saban fan now?
1: Okay. Fan is a strong word. Okay. (laughs) Here's here's why. I just – and I don't know if this is just because of the Urban Meyer news as of late – And then, like, Dabo Sweeney is annoying as hell. And it's just – you see these, like, great, quote-unquote, coaches. And then they – and Harbaugh, like, not that he's great, but you you just see all this, like, background noise with them. And for the most part, like, Nick Saban, I have never heard anything negative about him in the media – Other than, like, I know we've talked about him being an asshole to sideline reporters and stuff like that. But he's just constantly winning. And I don't know if you saw, after the championship, his post-game press conference. Did you see where he stood up for his two players? Yes. I loved that so much. And I think he's, he's went on that tangent before, Like, not in that setting, but in other interviews where he's really behind his players. And you wouldn't expect that from Saban just because of what you hear about him and the, you know, the ship he runs. But I just, I think he's like a really great coach. And I hope that stands. And, you know, last because I probably would have been saying that about Urban Meyer in the middle of his prime at Ohio State. But I don't know. I just kind of like him and I'm putting him in the same boat as Tom Brady. Like they're just really good at what they do. And I respect that. Am I re- big fans of them? Like, I don't know, but I respect it.
2: All right. I, I, I will see you this point. Um, <laughs> I think, you know, it brings up a couple of interesting thoughts. Like, first of all, you know, the comparison to Urban Meyer, like we all know what Urban's antics have been this year. Um, and when you make that direct comparison of, like, Nick Saban, like, pulling his two players up and lifting them up, um, you know, after the game and saying, like, it's not going to define them, like, they're still great players, like, Urban Meyer would never do that. Like, we saw what he did in Jacksonville, and what he did was throw his players and his assistants under the bus repeatedly rather than shouldering any sort of blame, um, and he continued to do that over his time at Ohio State, um, I'm not sure we discussed this point specifically previously on the podcast, but um, you know, after the hoodie situation was brought to light uh, about Urban Meyer's hoodie ban, um, you know, Urban denied any responsibility for doing anything wrong, like sharing a picture of Trayvon Martin in a team meeting. He blamed an assistant for that after he initially denied it altogether, and it was like, "Hey, buddy, like take some ownership for your team." Like, you yes. have this role.
1: Like, you are the head coach. Like, yeah. you – it's – tail's as old as time. You are to blame no matter what happens under your watch. Like, and he – yeah, he's – I don't know what's going on with him. I know he's probably – he probably hasn't been a great person and it's just now coming out. But, oh, my God, he's, like, constantly in the media lately. Like, dude, just go to Florida and hang out in your – in your beach house and just stay there for a little bit and stop talking to the media and stop talking to other people.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, the but point I- of this is <laughs> not to shit on Urban Meyer, I'm so sorry for taking us down this road. Um, but I do think you bring up in kind of an important point and that's that like these coaches are not role models, um, but it is important to admire them when they do things that should be admired like Nick Saban is a good coach and we can absolutely respect him for being a good coach um he is literally the best in the business at being a college football coach he is untouchable at this point um with all of the records that he has set um and so yeah it's it's perfectly fair to respect him for achieving that so you make a good point Tia thank
1: you I hope nothing horrible comes out about him in the next week, because I'll be real embarrassed. There was a step
2: with his daughter that one time.
1: Oh, wait. It's all coming back to me.
2: (laughs) Uh, But that wasn't him, so, you know. we'll, Well, we'll call it what it is. Anyway. We cannot talk about the NFL forever, although I think we have spent quite a bit of time today talking about the NFL, Um, but we actually have more from Ohio State Hoops coming up shortly, but first we're going to take a short break, so stay with us. Okay, welcome back. So, Tia, I don't know if you've ever heard the story, but I just learned about it like Sunday. And this episode is going to come out on Tuesday, um, which is the uh, 50th anniversary of one of the worst brawls in sports between the Ohio State Buckeyes men's basketball team and Minnesota. Have you ever heard of this?
1: No, literally never. I read it in the notes and I was like, what?
2: So this happened January 25th, 1972. Um, Ohio State was playing on the road at Minnesota. Um, an Ohio State player uh, was on the ground after a play. Uh, a Minnesota player helped him up, meet him in the junk, um, which led to an all-out brawl that sent three Ohio State players to the hospital uh, and effectively served as a turning point in Ohio State head coach Fred Taylor's career. Um like, the details are bananas. Like, the crowd got involved and, like, was hitting Ohio State players. Like, Minnesota players were attacking Ohio State players. It just sounds like absolute pandemonium.
1: I have never – like, how have I never heard about this? This seems even more violent than, like, the Woody Hayes thing.
2: <laughs> this was significantly more violent. And, like, I don't know. They – like, this. some of the articles that I read were talking about, like, it was – the game was being televised, but, and it was being like obviously recorded, but uh, there was no way to figure out everything that was happening at once because like so many people were like part of this brawl at the same time.
1: That is wild. And what's sad is like, I I could see that happening again. Like I, <laughs> I tell you what, sports just brings something out of people. Like it is just in our blood especially when you come from a school like Ohio State or i mean even Minnesota for that matter any school in the Big 10 just has such a huge their fan base is just have such a huge allegiance to their teams however Sports are just games like they don't technically mean anything. I know that I attach like my self-worth to Ohio State's performance on the football field. I just have to remind myself that <laughs> everything's going to be OK and violence is just not worth it. Even if your team loses, I promise you. Yeah. Or a player accidentally kneel- knees somebody like, come on. <laughs>
2: Well, TBD if the kneeing and the balls was intentional or not. Are we allowed to say balls? I think so. (laughs) Okay. Um yeah. Anyway. (laughs) Uh yes, I'm not sure based on my research if the kneeing itself was unintentional, intentional, uh, but it did inevitably lead to the sprawl. But to that end, it doesn't even need to be, like, big rivalries. Remember that time the Bobcat just attacked Brutus out of nowhere?
1: Yes. Uh, Why are you got to come for Brutus? (laughs) I'll
2: never (laughs) forgive him.
1: Oh, my gosh.
2: (laughs) Fortunately, uh, on the opposite end of the spectrum of brawls, uh, sports do have a way of bringing the world together, which is... Our very rough attempt at a transition to talk about the Olympics.
1: I can't wait. Okay, so we have the Summer Olympics and Winter Olympics back to back. Like, what is the time frame for these?
2: I'm just flabbergasted. Like,
1: I mean, is obviously, there, we, like a lot of time in between. I haven't even like looked up the the dates.
2: The so officially we're starting on the fourth. A February, we're we're so close uh, to the Summer Olympics, or excuse me, the Winter Olympics. Um, but yeah, the Summer Olympics were literally last summer because they got pushed back due to COVID, um, right. and so we have this glorious time twice in the space of like six months or so.
1: Okay, so I'm googling it, and it says Summer Olympics will begin on in July 2024. Is that not updated?
2: That's hmm. the next Summer Olympics.
1: Okay, okay. So twenty twenty ones is occurring in 2022. That's right. Yeah.
2: Which 20, do you like better? Like 20, oh, I like Summer Olympics better, uh, for sure. But I will get very into the figure skating, um, the curling, and potentially the luge. The luge. Is it the loser skeleton or are those two different sports?
1: You're like speaking another language to me right now. What? Let me guess:
2: you're a summer Olympics person.
1: <laughs> I uh, I like I know the sports in Winter Olympics, but why? How do you spell?
2: <laughs>
1: oh, I don't, I don't know. Know. Haven't
2: you seen cool runnings? Although that's bobsledding. <laughs>
1: oh, this one! It looks so fun. It's like it's like extreme sledding. <gasps> yeah. Yeah, yeah, Extreme sledding. What's the one where they, like, brush the ice so that the little ball rolls faster?
2: (laughs) That's curling, Tia. Come on, it's my only hope of making an Olympics. (laughs) Um, But speaking of someone who, you know, has more than hope to make Olympics, uh, Sean White is – going for another olympics this is another depressing one because i also thought he was much older he is 35 um which feels old for the olympics but he did first compete i think at the age of like 18 uh so he has been around for a minute
1: yeah he is someone who like when i googled just to research him a little bit it like unlocked a memory for me like especially him with the long hair I was like oh yeah this guy
2: (laughs) yeah he was like the hipster crush when I was in high school
1: yeah I mean I I I totally get it but he have you seen him with his short hair because he looks infinitely better
2: (laughs) I'm not disagreeing with you Tia (laughs) as an adult woman I do not disagree with you
1: at all oh my gosh wait and this is just unlocking so many memories about sean white oh my gosh i can't wait to see i love the snowboarding why does it feel like the winter olympics has been like a decade ago
2: because we've experienced a global pandemic in between (laughs) oh yeah that (laughs) (laughs) well we will certainly have more olympics to talk about uh next week which is just wild um Right, you know, in the interim, it wasn't just the NFL and apparently 50 years ago Ohio State that had historical events. We saw, Tia, yeah, I don't know if you had a chance to see these two incredible feats from Division One women's basketball, uh, including the most points ever scored in a D1 women's basketball game ever from Kansas State's Aoka Lee, who had 61 points on a game on Sunday, very casual. But then there was Caitlin Clark from Iowa who had, okay, two straight 30-plus point triple doubles for the first time in Division One basketball history, so men's or women's. Oh, my God. That was, like, a lot to get out, but yikes.
1: Uh, can we note that she's a – or did you already say this? She's a sophomore. I didn't say that. Oh, yeah. Caitlin Clark is a sophomore. <laughs> um <laughs> wait and then you wrote in this note she leads the NCAA in scoring like NCAA period um so that I'm not sure about but
2: there's an easy way to find
1: out hold please talk amongst yourselves
2: yeah she's averaging like 26 or 27 points a game which is just really, really outstanding. Um, and again, just just as a sophomore, she is she is doing this. Um, yeah, it looks like she leads all basketball because Antoine Davis for Detroit Mercy is leading men's basketball with twenty four point four points per game. Wow, get it, Caitlin. So. Uh, just on a fun note about uh, Lee from Kansas State, again, 61 points, 23 for 30 shooting, 12 rebounds. So just a real casual double-double for a Sunday game. This is a fun aside, this record had actually been set in 1987 when Long Beach State Cindy Lee recorded 60 points in a game. Oh, that's fun. They have the same last name. Um, that record was tied by Rachel Branham from Minnesota in 2016. Uh So, yeah, 61 points. A lot of teams don't score 61 points in a game. I don't know if you know that, Tia. (laughs) Rutgers usually doesn't. (laughs) Does that Um, mean? I'm so sorry.
1: Okay, wait. Adding to this women in basketball news that just came up on my feed is Jessica Cohen. Am I pronouncing her name correctly? Is the only female head athletic trainer in the NBA for the Portland Trailblazers. That's pretty amazing.
2: She's the only one?
1: Yeah, the only female head athletic trainer in the NBA.
2: I mean, I'm excited for her, but there should be more.
1: Like, why is that? Why? Why is that a thing? (laughs) Why does that position all have to be men? I mean, I was really – I think we were all really
2: excited. Uh, I mean, Becky Hammond obviously is, like, living the dream right now in Las Vegas. But, like, she should have been, like, the head coach of Portland.
1: (laughs) Baby steps. Yeah.
2: Uh, Anyway, we could talk all day about positions that women are not in that they should be in. But we've got to wrap up because we don't have all day to talk about that. (laughs) uh before we wrap up the show tia do you have any shout outs
1: Hmm. shout outs you go first i need to think of one
2: okay so happy birthday and shout out to our favorite hippo princess fiona um fiona's turning five today again today being monday because we're recording on a monday um she has served as an inspiration to so so many um her story of resilience Uh, and of the Cincinnati community coming together to support her uh, is one that warms my heart every time I think about it. Um, And so excited that she can be the happy, sassy hippo that we have all grown to love. So happy birthday, girlfriend.
1: Oh, my gosh. I love Fiona. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) oh She's so so perfect.
2: I got to meet her. Well, like not meet her, but like I got to see her once and it was magical. I felt like I met a celebrity.
1: I No, like I would have freaked out. The amount of selfies I would have, she would be like a million feet in the distance. Like (laughs) I can't imagine you could get that close to her.
2: Yeah. I mean, I was, so this morning I did share, I was deciding between Fiona's baby picture and like my selfie with Fiona and I picked her baby picture because she's
1: so cute. Uh, those is so much better than the two that I have in mind. But okay, I think shout out like as if this person is going to hear me, um, Patrick Mahomes because I don't know if you saw this, but as soon as the game ended, he ran all over the place, like cameras, like running after him, and all these people running after him to get to Josh Allen. Oh give him a hug and just like talk to him before all the other chaos commenced and I just thought that that was super cool and then obviously shout out to Josh Allen because like wow like I I, I'm not gonna get into the overtime thing again but like (laughs) I just wish the guy had another chance and shout out to an incredible freaking playoff run I hope they hear this (laughs) yeah
2: those are great shout outs don't sell yourself short <laughs> Thanks. all right that's all we have for today as a reminder you can follow tia at tia johnston underscore me at meredith Hine and the site at Land grant 33 we'll talk to you soon thanks again for listening to play like a girl and as always go bucks